tonight. And that song takes my mind back to the children of Israel in Egypt. The tenth plague, the last plague, where the firstborn were going to die. And the death angel was going to come. But those that had the blood of a lamb shed and put it over the top of the door and down the sides, when the death angel came, he would pass over them. Hence where the Passover comes from. And when we look and we think about us, it was a foretelling, a foreshowing of what would take place later on. And someday, I'm not going to be judged because of the blood that's been applied to my account. And I am passed over because Jesus took my penalty. He became my spotless, my lamb, my sacrificial lamb, my scapegoat. There's so much more I could say about that. A great song with great truth there. Acts chapter number 1 tonight. Now, I technically started in the book of Acts a little over two years ago. Does anybody remember that? Maybe a little bit, maybe not. I started the book of Acts before, right before COVID hit. Literally about two weeks before COVID hit. And the thing about the book of Acts, I love the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a great book. And just some thoughts as we go through here tonight and some things to think on. The book of Acts is a historical book for us. Just like for, you think about in the Old Testament, there are historical books for the Jews. The historical books tell us about their kings and tell us about all of those things. The book of Acts is the history of the church. A lot of people have made many mistakes with the book of Acts because they take their church doctrine, book of Acts. And there is a problem when we do that. A lot of times, first mention or first time something happens, it's a little bit, it's a little different than how it normally would be done. Like I'll give you an example. There were some that, re- that got saved. But till the disciples came and saw, they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. But that was when a Gentile was getting saved. That was kind of a new concept to them. So it was a first time it was done. We get our church doctrine tonight not from the book of Acts. We get our church doctrine from Paul's epistles. We just finished Acts. I mean Romans. Romans is where we get church doctrine from. A lot of Pentecostals get their doctrine from the book of Acts. The book of Acts, it's an important book. And it shows the history of the church. And shows what God could do and what he did. One of the reasons why, a little over two years ago, right before COVID hit, I know some of you, you don't understand how my brain works. And it shouldn't be hard for you to understand. There's not much to it. It's very simple. You know, you look at like an old car. A few weeks ago I was at an old car show. And you see an old motor and those old Chevys and those old Fords. It's very simple. There's one or two belts in there. There's no computers there. It's just a simple thing, very easy. I open up the hood on my car tonight. You know, a while back I told you we were having some transmission trouble, and they said they all they they updated the software on my transmission. Updated the software on my transmission. Who would have ever thought? And you open up a new car compared to an old car. That's not my brain's like the old car. It's very simple. It's not hard to figure out where it's going. Not hard to see what it's doing. But Right before COVID hit, I really believed that 
God was getting ready to do something special in our church. And the book of Acts talks about a group of people taking what God is doing and taking it out to the world around them. And literally, some of them turn the world upside down, right side up. That's why I was going to the book of Acts. And then the news started showing, you know, there's this thing called COVID. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And nothing, nothing to worry about right now, but just there's this thing called COVID. And then the first COVID case in the United States, and then COVID, 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 and it just built up. And I remember the Sunday before everything shut down like it did for a little bit. It was like, you know, that was the week they said old people need to stay home. And that's when Margie, she's not here tonight, but bless her heart, she didn't realize she was an elderly person. She was 82 years old, and I called her that Sunday afternoon. I'm like, Margie, do you need anything? I'm calling all of our mature, older folks in the church. What are you saying? I'm like, you're, you're 82. What are you saying? You're elderly. No, pastor me? Yeah, you. 82, hello. But she didn't quite get that, but she... That forever changed her life. She learned that day something. And I remember calling all of our older folks, and who knew what was going to play out? And I still remember those, those first couple weeks, and I didn't know what was going on, and preaching in here by myself and Jay and his family in here. I go back every once in a while. You can go back on uh, YouTube and see some of those. Don't do it. Johnny, you remember you came home from college. You didn't know what was going on. I'm like, Johnny, get over here now. Like, what am I going to do? Um, we have this little webcam thing. You've got to position this thing, and we're going to do a live stream service. Have we done live stream much before? Not really. Do we have a microphone? No. What are we going to do with it? I don't know. We're just going to make it work. Our live stream's pretty good today compared to where it was. You want to, you, some of you that, if you, if you look at our live stream now or you're watching tonight and you're going to complain about it, go back two years ago and look at it. You can complain then. This is a lot better. And this face is still just as good looking as it was before, but you can see it a little clearer than you could on that pixelated camera that we had before. Well, those first couple of weeks, I remember I got up in the back of my pickup truck, and we, when we decided I was done with doing the, just the online service. And, uh, you know, some churches just barely opened up a while back. Isn't that crazy to think? Everybody's got to do what the Lord leads them to do. It's not my job to judge what they do. But I know, I know how I will handle things going forward and things. But anyways, we'll leave that where that is. But we didn't stay closed very long. And uh, we started doing that. And that, I, I hated that, too. I hated being in the back of my truck and having the little machine there. And can you hear me? Blink your lights at me, please. If you're going to say amen, turn on the windshield wiper. How's your air conditioning doing as I'm burning up in the back of my pickup truck? And then we still had to do two services because there wasn't enough room for all the cars to get. I should have just been right there, and everyone could have pulled right. How would have everyone gotten out? I don't have a clue, but that wouldn't have been my problem. You could have figured that out, and it would have been fine. Well, those first couple weeks, I was in the book of Acts, and we got further down in the first chapter, and I just felt, no, this isn't the time to be in the book of Acts. Because I... You might have noticed it. You might not have noticed it. But people don't always get what I do. There is a reason. 
I don't just one day pop into church and say, oh, this is what we're, no, there's a lot of prayer and a lot of time with God that goes into every decision that is made when it comes to the preaching. I take preaching serious because I'm not going to answer to you someday for my preaching. I'm going to answer to God for my preaching. I felt by the Lord, led by the Lord, that I needed to focus inwardly and not worry about outwardly at that moment. And I don't know if you noticed, right after we started coming back together and all those things, my messages and everything was more to help you get through where we were at that time. There was a, that's the reason why. You go back and listen to some of them. My focus was on you getting through where we were in this world of COVID and the craziness. And I prayed to the Lord. At some point, we'd go back to the book of Acts, but it just hadn't happened. And I really feel that this is the time to get, and we got to make sure I turned my focus inwardly for a while to make sure we got through what was going on. And I think that there are times you have to do that. If you look at the end of Jesus' ministry, he did turn it inwardly to make sure that the disciples had everything they needed. There are moments to do that. But those moments, I feel, we're done with those moments and it's time to move out on things. The book of Acts is a great book because it shows the church doing the work of God. We're going to read the first five verses tonight and we'll dive right into our notes and we won't be, t- where are we at on time? I don't even, my watch says that Maria just finished, uh, how, is Maria Osgood or Maria, are you back there exercising? It just says, that you're moving your arm back there, that's what you're doing. It says someone just finished, uh, Maria just finished an exercise. What? Well, I'm up here moving around right now, so it could happen. When I don't exercise, I just put on one of the straight cats we have outside, and it walks it up and down the street, and it turns all those numbers wherever I want it to be. Acts chapter number 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the coming in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight, guide our thoughts, guide us as we go through tonight these first few verses. We love you, and we need you. We thank you for the book of Acts. We thank you for the truths that are found here. And I pray that you would guide us tonight and help us. And just as we just begin to look at a few thoughts, this is really an introduction, just the first couple verses. There's going to be nothing deep tonight. It's going to be very simple tonight. But help us as we go forward. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The book of Acts. If you notice, if you take your Bibles, you hold your place here in Acts. We'll be back here in a minute. Go to the book of Luke with me. Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1. Luke is a physician. Luke traveled with Paul. The Bible tells us about who wrote the book of Acts. Luke did. 
We look at Luke chapter number 1. Look at what it says at the beginning here. It says, For as much as many had taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered unto them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. We see the purpose of the book of Luke right here. We see Theophilus mentioned. Now, there are many Bible scholars out there, and like I said, they call themselves Bible scholars. There is no such thing as a Bible scholar. We're all Bible students. There are many that would say that Theophilus was a real guy in that day, and maybe he was, and that could be the case. When I tend to read it, Theophilus, the name means basically the lover of God. So the book of Luke was written to those that love God. The book of Acts what does it say for the beginning? The former treatise have I made, the book of Luke. O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. So what does the book of Luke do for us? The book of Luke shows us all that Jesus began to do and what he taught. And then look what it tells us. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence." The book of Luke shows us all that Jesus began to do and began to teach. What does the book of Acts do? It picks up from what Jesus began to do and what he taught and carries us forward. So we see three things as we dive into Luke, into Luke, into Acts tonight. The first thing that we see is this, that the work is not finished. The work is not finished. Now hold, you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus cried out, it is finished. Oh, salvation's work is finished. It was finished on the cross, and when Jesus rode from the dead, everything was completed. But guess what? Our work's not done. Say, so, well, why is our work not done? Has the Lord returned yet? No, that means there are more people that need to get saved. There are more people that need the Lord. There are more churches that need to be started. There are churches that need to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It needs to happen. Billy Graham said, younger days of his ministry, he's made this statement. He often said it. If the church went back to its main task of preaching the gospel and getting people converted to Christ, it would have far more impact on the social structure of the nation than any other thing it could possibly do. I don't say I could agree with everything that he would have said, but I agree wholeheartedly with that. You know why we have a nation today that is turning further and further away from God? Because we don't have enough churches proclaiming the gospel. The gospel is the answer. And I know this is no the answer we have to vote, and you should vote. But this is what happens. We vote, and then everybody wants change after the vote's done. 
And two years later, we're getting ready for another vote coming up. Let me give you, let me give you a little bit of Brianology here for a second. You've, you live in Chino, you need to be very careful these next few elections. There are things I know working city now that the way I do and things I cannot talk about. But if certain people get in certain places, our city's in trouble in that realm. We are blessed with a godly mayor right now and godly people on our council. But some of them are being pushed out. In fact, someone in our city just left a couple weeks ago, one of the godliest politicians I've ever known. And our city's lost him because of the pressure he's been under for certain things. We need to be very careful and pray and vote and vote biblically. Vote biblically. And seek the Lord's face and get the gospel to the lost. The gospel's the answer. But I want you to understand tonight as we look at the book of Acts and we dive in, it's not very complicated tonight. The work isn't finished. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. Salvation has been complete, and we praise God for that tonight. But as we look at this here, and as we think on these things tonight, we see that the book of Luke, it talks about all the things Jesus began to do. What Jesus taught them, and how all these things happened. Then we see the Holy Spirit, they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And that word began implies that the work is continuing on in all that he began to do. Do you know God's work is still going on today? Do you realize that? This morning, God's work went on a lot of places around our world. God's work, the church is going on right now, here, and in other places. The work's not finished. There's a work to do. There are lost to reach. There's many things to do for the Lord today. Jesus finished salvation, and I'm grateful for that. But his work of building the church continues today. We are to continue doing what Jesus taught us to do. That's what we're supposed to do. And carry that on and pass that along. The work's not finished. The work's not finished. People need the gospel today. The gospel changes lives. The gospel has the power in it. The gospel changed you, didn't it? The gospel changes you. I worry about those that the gospel never changes. That's just a little side note there. But we become a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And thank God for that. But when we look at these things, go skip it down with me to verse number 9. And when he had spoken these things, Acts 1, 9. While they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? For this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Hey, guys, what are you staring at? Go back and do the work. He spent 40 days with you. He got you ready for it. The work's not finished. And may I just remind you tonight, salvation is complete. Christ, what he did, is finished. But the work that the church does is not done. And until the Lord comes, it's not going to be done. So as we dive into Acts and we start out tonight, we see the work isn't finished.
The work isn't finished. Number two, we see you've got to look at the evidence. Say, what evidence are you talking about? Look at verse 3. Look at the evidence. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. That many infallible proofs, it means it's demonstrable evidence. He was seen, what did Paul say in the book of 1 Corinthians? He was seen of over 500 at one time. He was seen of the apostles. He was seen of many people. It wasn't this thing where one day, oh, the tomb's empty. Jesus lives again, and no one ever saw him. No, they saw him. And when they saw him, it changed their lives. You talk about a change? Should we go back to the book of Luke and see where these men were? They were hiding in the upper room. They were fearing for their lives. And then all of a sudden, these same guys that are fearing for their lives and hiding in an upper room, they're out preaching the gospel, not caring who hears them. Hey, that same chief, they were preaching, and that priest heard them, the high priest. Those scribes heard them, and they didn't care. Go ahead and beat us. We counted a privilege to be beaten for the Lord. Hey, go ahead. Take our lives. Peter, hey, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up. Go ahead, torture me, do these things. You say, what changed in these men? They saw the proof, they saw the evidence that he lives. Man, the church goes on today because we serve a risen Savior. If we had a dead Savior and our Savior doesn't live, you've got to understand something. Our religion, our faith would be vain. Isn't that what Paul talked about? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Man, those guys, those apostles giving their lives, it would have been vain. It would have meant nothing to be beheaded. Why would you be beheaded for someone who doesn't live? Man, something changed. Do you know you can go through the book of Acts? And look at almost every chapter. And hear something about the resurrection in almost every chapter. Do it sometime. Read the entire book of Acts and go through every chapter and see if there's not something about the resurrection of Jesus Christ in almost every chapter. Why? Because when you see something like that and you see the Lord, you're going to talk about it. And it changed their lives. Think about when um, Luke 24, 39 when Thomas on, behold my hands and my feet, that is, I myself handle me not, and see us, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. He lives. Hey, church, the work isn't done. The work is still continuing today. You know, one of the reasons why we need to study the book of Acts and why we need to look at the church in the book of Acts is because, this is what I hear Christians say today, Oh, it's so hard for people, so hard to get people saved. It's so hard to do God's work. It's so hard to do all these things. Do you realize all the people that got saved in the middle of persecution? Hey, 50 days after Jesus died on the cross for claiming to be who he said he was, Peter preaches a message claiming Jesus Christ is who he said he was, and 3,000 got saved and 3,000 got baptized. Now, I know our world's going to pot, and I know our world's getting worse today. But don't tell me it's any harder. This is the problem. And we're going to look at it here in a minute. The problem today is we do the work, 
No, we need to let the Holy Spirit do it through us. That's what we got to do. We got to get back Holy Spirit living. We got to get back the Holy Spirit power in our lives and let Him direct us. In a minute, we're going to look. Yes, there was some things we see. The church wasn't done. It. The work wasn't finished. There was work to be done. And look at the evidence. The evidence is clear. Jesus Christ lives today. There is no tomb where he's buried today. They don't even know where. It, I know I hate to burst. I know you guys went and saw a tomb, but you don't really know. If that, no one knows if that's really the tomb. You don't know. And thank God you don't know that that's the tomb. Because our Savior lives. He doesn't have a tomb. He lives. He lives. You've experienced him, haven't you? Hey, you remember the day you got saved and Jesus convicted your heart? The day the Holy Spirit moved and took up residence in your life? This is that song we sang a little bit ago, I still remember the day you saved me. Do you remember that day? Oh, I remember that day clear. I, was a, I wasn't an old man. I'm still not an old man. I was, a, I was a boy. Oh, but I remember as clear as anything when I got saved. And it changed my life. A week or two ago, Matthew was our last one. I don't ever, and everyone does it differently with their kids. I don't force the gospel on my kids. I don't make them pray with me and get saved. They need to want it. I teach them about it. And I teach them a lot about it. And one of the biggest blessings of having a Christian school, just a couple weeks ago, Matthew and I were just talking. Dad, I learned that in my Bible class, in this K-4 class. He learned that Jesus died for his sins. He learns that in Sunday school. He learns that in kids' club. We talked about it. He said, are you a sinner? That's always the key with my kids. I asked them that. And for the longest time, no, I'm not a sinner. Okay, good. That's good. Are you a sinner? Nope. Well, this time, because Alyssa a couple weeks ago was like, Alyssa, Alyssa's got the little preacher in her. She does. She's like, Dad, Matthew needs to get saved. I don't know if he was messing with her dolls or doing something with her stuff. I don't know. And so I'm like, okay. I said, I'll just talk to Matthew. So I just asked, are you a sinner? Yeah, Dad, I am. How are you a sinner? When I don't obey you and Mom? When I tell a lie? What's so bad about sin? I can't go to heaven with sin. Okay. So, what about Jesus? Where's he? Oh, he died for my sins. So, well, how do you go to heaven? By being a good boy? No. By believing Jesus. Yeah, he prayed. You know the interesting thing? This is interesting. And you, he's still Matthew. But hasn't there been a change in him? A five-year-old boy. There's a change in him. Thinking a five-year-old boy gets saved? I sure think so. I think anybody who comes to Christ with a childlike faith can get saved. You say, does he understand everything? He understood enough. Now, there might be some day where he looks back and he, has, and he needs to get reassurance. And I'm all for that. I'm not, 
I want, they need to be sure for themselves. They don't, aren't sure because daddy is sure for them. They need to be sure for themselves. But I've seen a change in that boy. Don't tell me that Jesus doesn't live today because I've seen the change in my own son. Hey, don't tell me that Jesus doesn't live today because I've seen the change in a lot of people. Remember when I met you, Ryan? I, sh- I was thinking about throwing a picture up on the screen tonight. You were third row in the back right over there your first time you walked in the door here. And I remember seeing hair. That's what I just remember. Because not only was there the beard, but his hair was longer than the beard. The hair was almost past your way. It was long. You were, and all I saw was hair. There was just hair everywhere. And uh, I, didn't know if, I didn't know if Chewbacca came in or if there was a person that came in. I wasn't quite sure. I'm teasing when I say that. But very quickly, you know one of the reasons I know that God is alive? Because of change he brings into people. Because no one else could do that. I'm sure you tried lots of other things in life to help you get better, and it didn't help. Oh, but when you meet the risen king, when you meet the master, something changes. When the disciples saw their risen savior, they were ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. And of all those people named in the book of Acts, they turned the world upside down, which was really right side up, because of the living Savior. The message is very simple tonight. The work isn't finished. It's not finished. Secondly, you've got to look at the evidence and see that we serve a risen Savior. And then this one kind of throws you backwards. They had to wait on the Spirit. Look at verse 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Did the disciples have the Holy Spirit inside of them yet? They were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit here, weren't they? So f- what you got to see, and as we look at this, was they were waiting for the Spirit. When was the Spirit going to come? He wasn't coming till Jesus left. What did he tell them? I think I have, do I have John 16? Is it John 16 or John 14? John 16? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient. It's better for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So in order for the Spirit to come, who needed to go? Jesus did. Now think about this. That's quite a statement right there. You live and breathe and have Jesus right there with you. And he says, it's better for you that I go away and that you get the Spirit. We put too little emphasis on the Holy Spirit today. They had Jesus with them for three years everywhere they went. And Jesus says, it's better for you that I go away so that my Spirit will come. He tells them, we look at this text here in Acts, he commands them. 
he orders them to stay put till the Spirit comes. To wait. Do you know, we don't like to wait, do we? You know, a while back there was a survey done of 2,000 people, and we get impatient at a light waiting longer than 15 seconds. Did you realize that? 15 seconds. How many of you get impatient at a red light? And especially, I tell you, one of the worst ones is right here. This, I, 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 I am not, I, I don't have any insight on this, but I tell you, there are times where the signal people come out, and it's fixed, and it works great for a day or two. I am sure some truckers pay somebody off somewhere. Because you could sit this light for an hour sometimes, and it just doesn't change. Some days I'm bringing the kids to school, and it's bad for the principal not to have his kids here on time, right? But sometimes I could blame that light, right? That, that left turn arrow doesn't want to turn. Now, when I first got here, we didn't have a left turn arrow. But all those accidents, I'm glad we have that left turn arrow. But I'll just go straight, and then I'll turn in that way into the church, and it works out just fine. We're impatient. Our fast food isn't fast enough. <laughs> yeah. And then if it's too fast, it's cold. But if you want it fast, it's already waiting for you when you get up there. Now, I would, that's why, okay, this is, uh, where am I on time? Oh, I'm past. Yikes. We're ending right here in just a second. I guarantee you this. I've gone to McDonald's, I've gone to Burger King, I've gone to lots of different fast food places. You can never guarantee when you're going to have a hot burger and when you're not. Every time I go to In-N-Out, it's always hot. But you have to wait. And I would rather wait to have a hot burger than a piece of rubber from McDonald's. Or an expensive piece of charbroiled rubber from Carl's Jr. Good things come to those that wait. Church, we got to get out of this mindset in our church that we are doing this and doing this and we need to let the Holy Spirit work through us. In our classes, you teachers in the room that teach classes, it's not about you and your class. It's about the Spirit of God working through you to get to the heart of those kids in your class. It's not about me and what I want to do. It's about me moving out of the way and letting the Spirit of God guide and direct. The problem we have in church work today is God hasn't changed. His Spirit still works. God is still in the business of doing what He's always done. The problem is we try to do it on our own too much. We don't rely on Him. God, I got this. You can take a break. No, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And we get this idea in church work, oh, we can do it. We don't need, no, we need God. Hey, if God's presence, if the Spirit of God's not working on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or whenever the case may be, we got nothing. We literally have nothing. What did, as we start out the book of Acts, we see the work's not finished. Look at the evidence of all Christ did and how he's alive. And then wait on the Spirit. My mind goes back to the book of... Um, Wow, I'm blanking on it. Haggai, Zechariah. In the book of Haggai, Haggai, however you want to say it, God raised up Zerubbabel to help the children of Israel get things done and to get the temple built. 
And God gave clear commands to Zerubbabel in the book of Zechariah that said it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You know how we're going to do God's work going forward? It's not going to be by our might. It's not going to be by our power. We need his spirit. You know how the world got turned upside down? The Holy Spirit got a hold of a group of guys and ladies and did a great work. You know what can happen in 2022? The Spirit of God could do a lot of great work if we would let him. We need to let him lead and follow where he leads us. And I'm not going Pentecostal on you about the Spirit, but there are too many Baptists that are afraid to even talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's be honest, you, those of you in the room who've been in church a long time, go back to the 80s and 80s and 70s around that time, you heard all the time about the power of the Spirit being filled with the Spirit of God. Tell me how often you hear that being mentioned today. You don't hear it mentioned hardly at all. Because we are complacent, we are fine where we're at, we don't know we need the Spirit of God. And He can still do great things today. We don't have to have the best show in town. We don't have to have the most money as a church. We don't have to have a big billboard anywhere. We don't have to have the best Facebook page. We don't have to have the best church website. We don't have to have the best live stream. If we get a hold of the Holy Spirit, He's all we need. Let Him lead. And where He leads, we follow. As we get started in the book of Acts, the work's not done. Look at Christ and look at all the evidence he lives. Look at what he did through those men and look what he can do today. And just like them, we need to let the Holy Spirit guide us and not do it on our own. Imagine if they would have said, you know what, Lord, we're just going to go. Wouldn't have turned out the way it did. They waited. Let's let God be in control. It's his church, isn't it? Wow, what a concept. Let the Holy Spirit lead us. That's a great concept. Father.